Welcome to Nets Run Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of Post Dispatch, joined by our intrepid beat reporter Jim Thomas, just back off the road to uh, Columbus. And uh, JT, great to have you. And uh, and how was Central Ohio? You know, I never get used to that darn cannon. And it's not like I've been there a ton of times, but I've been there a few times. And it went off five times uh, uh, Wednesday night. But uh, no, uh, you know, moving right along, three preseason uh, games this week. I think we'll have two more games, Jeffrey, where you see some of the uh, the guys that really have no chance to make the club play. But just organizationally, Barubi talked about it after the game. It's important to look at these guys. So probably both both the Chicago games coming up back-to-back Friday and Saturday, and then then the roster will get trimmed, and they they, they want to hone in uh, those last two, three games on uh, the, the guys that they're, they're going to go forward with in the season. Well, I tell you, it's been uh, there's been a lot to cover since the last time we were together on uh, the net front. And I, and I guess we did our job foreshadowing. We'll start with Zach Sanchez. I think we, I, I think we, we, we uh, foreshadowed anybody who listened to the last edition of the net front could not have been shocked by the fact that, uh, the, by, that Zach got moved and, and JT, I guess it was just, um, you know, a combination of a salary, a lot of, a lot of depth on the, the front lines his play last year and the, and the salary cap all kind of worked against Zach Sanford. Yeah, and pl- plenty of opportunities. Not a guy that is devoid of assets. Good hands, good defensively. You know, that scores some goals. Uh, 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 de- decent enough uh, goal scorer, but uh, you know, he just seems to have a just a lack of confidence out there. You you, you don't see the intensity night in, night out, and and it can get frustrating. I think Craig Berube very patient with him. But as uh, Doug Armstrong mentioned, and that, that's one of the things that happened since our last net front, he, he gets a contract uh, uh, extension. But as he mentioned, when they sign uh, Sanford to the $2 million RFA deal, they're, they're not exactly sure how the pie is going to turn out, how much it's going to, you know, they had a bunch of RFAs to sign and, and just who's going to sign for what. And then when they look at it and you go in and camp and, you know, Jake Neighbors looks good. Uh, you, uh, uh, you have James Neal on a PTO. He scores a hat trick in the, uh, in the first game, although uh, Sanford was traded before that, but you, you, you do have some options. I, I it's interesting that you, you mentioned that I, I was kind of looking at the forwards and I, I think there's 10 locks and there's like seven guys for what could be three or four to, uh, positions competing for that. And, uh, uh, depending whether they keep 13 or 14 forwards and, and Sanford, just, uh, just the odd man out, best of luck to him. You know, uh, Ottawa has a lot of prospects, but not a lot of established players. I think he would have a chance to have a nice role there and, and get plenty of playing time. You know, I do like the Ottawa senators this year. I think they've really come out a lot. Uh, Batherson Norris, of course, Brady could Chuck will sign at some point. Uh, they've done a, a nice job. I think they're on the right track. As long as they get Kachuk on board, uh, Shabbat on the back end, uh, Brandstrom. So they've, they've got some good players. And I think Zach will get a chance to, uh, to, to play a big role on the change of scenery, which will be somewhat jarring for him. But um, I think there's an opportunity. And then coming back in the deal is, is a guy that a lot of Blues fans have talked about because he's you know spent a lot of time in St. Louis. 
uh, Logan Brown, uh, Jeff Brown's son, um, big kid, just hasn't been able to move his feet at the NHL pace, I guess would be the way to put it. He's was a high draft pick, but he just has had a most frustrating pro career so far. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, been slowed, uh, slowed, slowed by injuries. And so, you know, on the flip side, uh, here's a guy where it changes scenery. Maybe it, it, it does him, uh, does him good. You know, I, I, I think there are less busts in NHL drafting and I don't know why that is than, than all my NFL, uh, experience because they draft these guys a lot younger in the NHL than they do college players. So uh, usually, you know, the top 15 picks usually work out at least in, in my, uh, uh, experience, uh, uh, covering hockey. So for a guy to go number 11 overall, you, you know, he had some skill and some physical attributes, but it just hasn't clicked. You hear a little bit that maybe he needs that, you know, night to night intensity too, you know, as we just discussed about, uh, uh, Sanford, but this will be a good, uh, a good chance for him. He's, you know, he's rejuvenated. He's back home. He's playing for the club that, uh, uh, he loves. And he, he actually, uh, even though he was, with Ottawa, he, he ended up, uh, he told me, and I, I, I never uh, uh, put in the, the article that, that Tom actually ended up writing, uh, Tom Timmerman, uh, he watched a lot of those cup games in the stands uh, in, in St. Louis uh, uh, in, uh, in the 1819 uh, season. He had a buddy that, uh, uh, that uh, either had season tickets or, or had access to player tickets. So uh, the big blues fan is now uh, a big blue. Before we talk some more about the, the job uh, competition uh, up front, uh, you mentioned uh, a moment ago that in, in the midst of all this, uh, Doug Armstrong got his uh, new contract. Uh, obviously, he wasn't going to be a lame duck general manager. I think it was pretty clear that uh, you know, the Tom Stillman and company, they, they have great, put great value in him. I don't think people around were, the organization were too worried that something was going to happen, but certainly putting this to rest uh, rewarding the architect of the cup winner with a, with a contract that will, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep Doug on the, on the job as he, as this team tries to squeeze a little more out of this group before moving on to the next one. Yeah. I, I think the thing that I really appreciate about the, the blues is uh, at least in the front office, it's, it's obviously not, not always the case case with coaches, but just continuity and, and, and to have a guy, uh, like Doug Armstrong starting his second year, uh, second uh, decade, excuse me, as the, uh, uh, as the GM, uh, you know, things are going to be done a certain way. Uh, Tom Stillman knows uh, how Doug Armstrong likes to operate and vice versa. And the most interesting thing that came out of that, uh, that press session about, about 25 minute press session was uh, again, a thing that I, uh, uh, I guess, appreciate about Doug Armstrong is he's not afraid to think out of the box. He's not afraid to take risks. Uh, he, he takes an aggressive approach in a lot of ways that reminds me of, uh, and I wrote it of Charlie army back in the days of building the greatest show and, and uh, you know, the, the short lived uh, 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 greatest show on turf. And, you know, Tom, uh, Tom Stillman said, well, you know, I wouldn't have gotten into this if, if I wasn't uh, uh, necessarily uh uh, uh, like that too. If I was risk averse, I, I wouldn't be a, uh, NHL, uh, uh, owner. So uh, they're kind of kindred spirits like that. And, uh, 
you, you like to see it. The trust that Stillman has in Armstrong is, uh, and, and obviously not saying everything, every move that Armstrong made is, is, is right. But I, I, I think, again, if we step back and look, it's tough when you're not getting high draft picks. You look at how many top 10 draft picks, say, a team like Colorado has because they were bad for quite a period. It's tough to maintain uh, yourself, uh, you know, in the upper echelon in the league when you year after year, and it's been for almost a decade now, you're, the Blues haven't drafted in the top half of the first round, but they've been able to maintain it. And so, uh, yeah, you wonder, uh, and I personally think maybe the, the Stanley Cup window is, is, is closed on this group and they're kind of somewhere in, in between uh, uh, in, in terms of their, their talent level, but, uh, and, and they have, you know, they've been knocked out in both the uh, first last two years in the first round, but you, you gotta, you, you gotta appreciate just the, the uh, sustained success that they've had. It, it's hard to do regardless of the sport in the salary cap era and the free agency era. One thing uh, about Doug is if he likes somebody, he likes them. And there are people in the business that he uh, he really likes. And one of those one of those persons, this guy hated the fire back in the day, Ken Hitchcock. And an interesting move on a couple levels to bring Kevin back into the organization uh, as a uh, coaching consultant. Now, the reason one, I mean, obviously he's got a tremendous amount of respect from for, for Ken and always will value his input. Uh, because he always likes to listen to people, a lot of people, about what he's watching. He wants, he's not so arrogant that he doesn't um, value the input of others. He's had, you know, good people around him, people with credentials that he's listened to. Uh, but in terms of like Ken's vision of how he thinks the Blues were, he wanted them to play, it's pretty much the way the Chief got them to play, you know, when they uh, did have their cup run. I mean, that was what Ken wanted to see that smothering uh, physical play that, uh, that the Kings won with. You know, that was a vision that he had. And so from that standpoint, on one hand, it may be odd to bring in a guy when you have a cup winning coach, but I do think they, I don't know that there's a real difference of opinion on how to move the, the team forward. So there may be some, uh, hopefully this is a more supporting versus a more uh, distracting move. <laughs> just a weird quirk of Armstrong. He loves collecting consultants and advisors and having him around. He loves having, I guess that, I don't know, that, that brain power, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Larry Robinson was an advisor and he really helped with, uh, with Colton Pareko uh, in, in that, uh, in that Stanley cup year. So now here's Hitchcock. I, I found that Armstrong is, is, is loyal as loyal as you can be in this business and he doesn't burn bridges. I mean, uh, uh, if a player leaves, it's not all oh, uh, free agency or whatever. It's not like, Oh, I hate you or never, never coming back. I mean, look at, look at David Perron. He's come back uh, twice. And did, uh, did, did Armstrong, has he fired Hitchcock twice? Did he fire him once in Dallas or no? I, I don't even know, but, but, uh, uh, again, so, so, so here he is. And, and I know, you know, and you can speak better to this than I can. A lot of conspiracy theorists are, boy, Baruby better watch out. But uh, Armstrong just flat out told me, hey, at his age, Hitchcock's 69. He's he's past the coaching stage, you know. So yeah, you, 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 are you a little skeptical of that? Or what do you think? Uh, say it's late well, in the season, the team's sputtering, and and uh, you throw Hitchcock in there. Yeah, I just think that I, if I'm, if I'm going to be nervous about something, I'd have, 
I would uh, probably, when you have a guy who's a successful, when they brought Montgomery in, who was a very successful coach, uh, obviously had off ice issues that, you know, otherwise he'd still be the coaching the Dallas stars. I, I think that was probably for me, that struck me as a more direct, I'd be something I'd more scratch my head about and think, I mean, he's value. He's adding value to the group. I guess he's really focusing on a penalty kill uh, this year, but uh, he was, he would be the more likely guy. I think if, if things push came to shove and they just felt like they had to do something, but um I don't know. It's interesting. And, and I guess the chief, I, I I'm guessing he's not a skittish guy. If you no. did this to Mike, yo, I don't know that it would go well, <laughs> but I, I just, this chief doesn't, doesn't impress me as somebody who's going to be looking over his shoulder that much. I think he's pretty confident. And they're, uh, they're kind of bros, you know, Hitch and uh, Baruby in, in a way, although Hitchcock, uh, I would say uh, probably more of the men are, I mean, they, they're both coaches together in Philadelphia when when uh, uh, Baruby was with the uh, their AHL team, the the, the Phantoms. There, there was a, for the longest time they were the Phantoms were based in Philadelphia. That's not the case now, but they they were in the same building, so they see each other every day. And Hitchcock even coached Baruby way back in uh, in uh, junior hockey. Gee, I wonder how many f- uh, fights he saw uh, saw Baruby get into as a youngster with that mullet. Uh, uh, he, he used to have. So, uh, yeah, you got, you got a lot of, a lot of brain power. Again, I, I, I even kidded, uh, Armstrong, uh, you know, talking to him on the phone about this, man, man, you, 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 you love advisors. You love consultants. He, he loves having them around. Now what we see on the ice, getting back to the competition, um, you know, at the time they drafted neighbors, there was some concern about, uh, the, uh, you know, the, what, what's the, uh, what's the uh, the upside of of, uh, of of neighbors and but but they knew he was the type of player that would be uh, a uh, a good blue and fit the system and I guess uh, we would uh, we definitely see that as Tom Timmerman joins the podcast uh, there you go look who's, look who's behind door number three here <laughs> as he joins us so uh, we'll jump in we'll give we'll throw this to Tom as he comes in right in hits the ice with the skates uh, we're, we're getting back to talking about some of the forward competition and uh, Tom, the, uh, the neighbor's draft pick looking like uh, a guy that's a fit for what they want to do. He's not a, a tremendously skilled guy, but he certainly uh, gets the right sort of words from the chief in terms of how he plays. Yeah. He's really ahead of the schedule. I mean, I didn't think that he would figure remotely in the, in the race this year, but uh, you know, he's, he's, he's getting a look in camp and I think, under different circumstances, he might even get a look during the season. I think it would be tough to use him in games this year because of the waiver situation. But I think in some other years, they might have considered keeping him around at the start of the year, playing him in a few games before returning him to juniors. But I, they're they're way more interested this early about him than I expected them uh, to be. And he has shown pretty good, you know, in the games he's played so far. You know, is he better than guys with more experience? I don't know that we can say that yet hard to base things on games when you're playing against so many other juniors and AHL guys, but um, you know, he's the, the potential is there and he's going to be here uh, I think sooner than many thought. Yeah, Jeff, I, uh, uh, it's just fascinating to me how they've handled both neighbors and Perunovich. They bring them both in a month early, have them living, <laughs> living together in the Tar Grove area. How about that couple of, uh, couple of hipsters there 
living in the, the, the Tower Grove neighborhood. But anyway, they bring them in early. They're giving them a lot of looks with good personnel. I mean, they're, they're pairing them with, uh, uh, I think, Perunovic, what, has he been paired Bertuzzo one game and Falk the other? And then Neighbors has been with the uh, top line forwards. And he's, he's surprised me, too. He looks more, more ahead. And so so there, there are a lot of guys competing for those maybe uh, – uh, I think there's just maybe two forward spots up for grabs in the uh, in the top uh, in the top twelve. But uh, yeah, what do you do with neighbors? I, I checked on this, and you can, they can send them down to to the Western League and call them up at any time to, to to the NHL. If he starts out the season with them, it's kind of the, the situation Robert Thomas went through. What is it? If it's if it's ten games, then you're your contract starts. You can't, you can't slide yeah. that contract. So uh, it's one of the things I'm most interesting, interested in seeing about these final games, just how much neighbors plays and, and uh, how he looks and could he possibly, uh, I still think he's much more likely as Tom says to be sent to junior hockey, but is there a way he can, he can just sneak in everything about him uh, is, is a Craig Berube forward. I, I wish he was a little bit better finisher, but boy, this guy, it's clear how hard he works, how much he wants to improve. And, you know, maybe that'll come with time. Well, that's uh, it's his arrival is, into the organization um, is timely, uh, Tom, because um, you do miss Jaden Schwartz. Now, I don't know that Jake will ever be the high end of him will ever be as good as offensively as Jaden was at his best, but that sort of tenacity and that, uh, you know, adding that, uh, that dogged puck uh, hunting was uh, there's going to be a need for that. As long as uh, the chiefs to coach. And I imagine, you know, the way Doug has constructed this team, this is just the way they're going to have to play. Yeah, no, that, it's, it's a good point. And, you know, Schwartz, that's, you know, they're going to miss a lot of Schwartz. And I, I think we're going to see as the season goes on, the things, you know, the Jane Schwartz did that isn't there right now. Um so that's, that'll be something. And if neighbors is a guy that could give him something, you know, I don't know if any of these other younger guys are of, of that mode of people vying for those spots. Yeah. I mean, James, you're, you're not going to replace a Jaden Schwartz. None of these guys are of his caliber, but if they have a Schwartz type, yeah. You know, neighbors is a guy again, still young, still not tested very well, but you know, is he more likely to do that than, you know, Clem Costin, you know, We'll have to see how that works out. And that JT brings up the question I was going to ask next. We're getting seeing the neighbors get the buzz. Uh, I, I have tried to pound that Clem Costin drum, tried to beat that. <laughs> and, uh, but that uh, so far, I guess that call has not been, uh, has not been answered. Like, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of, um, a lot of buzz around uh, Clem. Yeah, I thought this would be the year that he had to be on the uh, roster, and I, I've uh, I've uh, banged on that drum uh, uh, too. And there's a lot to like about him. His physicality for a big guy, he can skate, and uh, you know he he has a, he has a uh, uh, NHL caliber uh, uh, shot. The, the, the puzzling thing about him at all his levels of hockey, he hasn't been a big scorer in terms of goals. So you're wondering, is that a thing with how he sees the ice or the vision or? Are circumstances that maybe we don't we don't know about. I, I thought Clem in the first game uh, really came on in the second half of the game. That would be the uh, the preseason opener against Minnesota in Columbus last night. He was I don't know he was 
he didn't he didn't really he wasn't really as noticeable as he as he was in the second half of the first game. So yeah, if you're talking about just what we see on the ice in these first two games, he he really I, I don't know if he's I uh, he's really stepped forward and, and said, hey, I have to be on this roster. So wh- when I when I look at it, uh, I, I see uh, uh, again ten locks, and so you got. You got neighbors, you got Costin, you got Joshua, you got McKeckern, you got Clifford, uh, you have Neil. That's one, two, three, four, five, six. And Brown. I forgot about uh, Brown. And, and I think it's if it's three spots if you keep uh, uh, 13 forwards and, and it's four spots if you keep uh, 14. And that that's what Sunquist uh, beginning the year on uh on on LTR. So, so which three or four of that group do you, do, do you pick? Well, uh, Tom, we talked earlier, we, uh, we kind of did the Zach Sanford obit, you know, we had did that last week and <laughs> uh, basically foreshadowed the, the deal. And one thing I mentioned back then was, well, you know, they brought a guy like Neil in to take a look at him. And let's just say that if something were, if you wanted to do put a guy in that spot at, at a veteran minimum, he could fill that role. He had some shots last night. He had obviously he had a, an out, an out, offensive outburst burst to start the preseason. Uh, any any thoughts on is is there is the real deal, James Neal? Is there any hope <laughs> that he could uh, could work his way on as a as a veteran on this team? Yeah, I, I think the Zach Sanford trade upped his chances significantly because now now there is a spot now there is a way to uh, to to see him fitting in. Um, and the one thing that I keep coming back to in all this is that Clem Costin doesn't have to go through waivers. They can send Clem Costin down. Any of these other guys they try to send down to the AHL, they have to go through waivers. Does Logan Brown get through waivers? You know, I don't know about that. I mean, you, you would think a guy being sent down by Ottawa would have a good chance of getting through waivers. If you cannot make it on the worst team in the league, is that a good chance? So, you know, the Blues, I don't think, would have acquired him if they didn't think he could, because that's certainly a possibility. I think Neil's chances, which I used to put at around zero, are probably up now. I don't know if they're 15, 20, 25 percent, but there is now a, a place where I can see him, especially since, you know, if they could play him on the left wing, like that third line left wing, if it goes back to being Thomas and Cairo, and then who's on that other side, you know, could they could they fit him in there? Because otherwise you're saying you're playing Barbashev there or you're playing Costin there. And I don't know that they're sold on either of those options. Now, you know, Joshua is waivers eligible too, which surprised me a little bit. So you have those two guys that are waiver eligible. I think McKechnie and Clifford would both slip through waivers. And then, so that leaves you with neighbors and uh, Brown and Neil. So I, I guess there is a way for Brown to make it. I, Right now, I think Neil's on the club. I mean, uh, he just he just has some players just have a knack for, for scoring, and and he 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 has got that uh, he's got that knack. What almost three hundred NHL career games. I think this is a team that you know is looking for as much offense as they can. And as you mentioned, uh, Jeff, you can you can get him cheap uh, partly because he's he's getting what is it like one point nine million a year on that buyout from Edmonton. Well, you know, one thing, Tom, is that for sure you're going to notice that the Blues will look good coming out of the ice. They're going to have some some size. Buchnevich uh, is, a, is a big guy. Saad's a big guy. The Chief pointed out he likes having, you know, that, that's very favorable 
those additions, if Brown makes the group, if, if Neil makes the group, if Costin makes the group, I mean, there's at least some, they'll look good skating onto the ice. Uh, whether they can play a heavy style uh, is one thing, but it, it, I don't think it's lost on anybody that some of the folks competing for these jobs are uh, uh, either big or willing to play a hard game. When you were saying that at first, I thought you were saying that James Neal just looks good. He's just a good looking guy. That's what, uh, you know, he's got that, you know, the hair or whatever, he had a good flow going that it would be uh, something to get your attention. Yeah. You know, um, it, with Brown, they've got as big a guy as you can get uh, in the NHL. Um, you know, you know, there are, Ruby keeps coming back to it, you know, got to be better in front of the net, got to be better in front of the net. And maybe he comes back to it because we keep asking him about things related to that. But but that is the answer to many things. Um, and size isn't the only solution to that problem. But, um, you know, if they want to be stronger on the forecheck, uh, they got to get guys who can effectively forecheck. And so, um, yeah, that'll be that. That is one of the things that fits in. Uh, with it they haven't gotten bigger on defense the defense is you know exactly the same except Vince Dunn is gone but uh some bigger guys uh, and your boy uh, Carl he's gone yeah yeah you know I I think just because he played so few games last year that I think he was a kind of already gone uh, I've had huh. to have that emotional separation oh, my, Carl I, I, and I think of Carl I shocks me I Carl, thought Gunnison was your guy man Even I hope that Carl is right now you had him out the door before Sweden. he was out the door I'd like to think that he's listening to the podcast in Sweden. And if you are, Carl, we miss you. Hope all is well. Hope the family is great. And uh, we wish we could have said goodbye uh, in person rather than on Zoom. Yeah, a fitting, fitting send off. Um, you know, one thing that became apparent, um, well, I think Bucinavich is going to be a really nice player. I mean, he's he's nothing super flashy about him, but he's, he does a little bit of everything. And uh, he certainly has some ability, sees the ice. He's matured physically. He's developed a well-rounded game. However, uh, it became apparent, Tom, that if we expect to fill our notebooks with <laughs> um, lengthy uh, Pavel Buchnevich quotes that will carry stories on any given topic, um, th this will not be the guy to go to. No, and I was somewhat surprised by that because he played in New York. And usually guys that come out of New York, just because they have to do so much media, uh, you know, become good at it by default. But uh, we did not see that out of uh, Pavel Buzhnevich on his first uh, media session here of, uh, of training camp. Uh, we'll hope as he gets more comfortable. And it's got to be a dramatic thing for him because at Blues training camp, there's, there's not many of us. I mean, there's like four of us out there. Uh, on any on any given day uh, you know the New York media there's you know 50 of them so um, yeah this has got to be a very different experience for him and uh, just hope that he gets uh, he gets more comfortable and more chatty uh, as the time goes on maybe David Perron can work with him mm -hmm. Perron can go 45 seconds on a question he doesn't want to answer <laughs> and you, we all know we need more of that I mean Oh, uh, for sure. Every, for sure. Every time you lose a guy like that, it's just uh, it's it's another dagger for the for the scribes. All right. So blues are still busy. I'm going to ask each of you guys uh, of the people we haven't talked about yet. Um, who are you looking to see something from uh, in the next week before our next podcast? Because uh, the clock's running and uh, judgments are being made. And we're going to as we get deeper into the preseason, the guys who are bidding for jobs will be get will get more attention. I'll start with you, Tom. Who do you who are you looking at for uh, 
to see more from? Uh, you know, I, I'd like to see um, uh, Nico Mikola make a make a strong case uh, for his spot uh, that he needs to be played. Um, you know, there's kind of those that bottom three, the Bortuzzo, Wallman, uh, Mikola scenario down there at the bottom. Uh, needs some separation there, and um, like to see uh, with uh, Nico to, to have some uh, standout games. Yeah, you know, we, we talked, the, the one guy, and we talked about him was, uh, was Costin. It's, uh, he was the one guy I, I thought might really, coming off the uh, KHL, uh, the Garen Cup uh, uh, winning season, that, that he, he would come busting out, but but he hasn't. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't know if there's really anybody else. Uh, you know, I've, I've liked the goaltending so far, Huso and Bennington. Uh, the, the defense has been pretty good. O- overall, I'd, I'd like to see a little more offense. And again, I know it's all the lineups are all scrambled, but just just a little more uh, aggressive uh, uh, play. But uh, you know, just most of the players that we think are going to be on the team. I mean, I, you know, they, they've kind of performed as we as we thought. Well, that's Jim Thomas. We've had Tom Timmerman jump in uh, on a mid shift. To join us here on the podcast we're thankful for his time and for jt's time until next week uh the gang here at net front presence uh wishes you well uh, enjoy your hockey it's that time of year and uh, always always check out everything on stltoday.com and in the print edition of the post dispatch big special section coming up we all got to get our copy in this weekend so we can mm-hmm. get to that <laughs> and uh, until next time though we'll just say see ya